Welcome back to the Replay Booth. My name is Parker Jones, and today I am joined once again by my brother, Connor Jones, and we are going to be previewing all of the big matchups for this upcoming weekend, and we're going to give you some insight into who we think the best teams in the nation are right now. We also just wanted to say thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star review if you are enjoying the podcast and if you would share it with a friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this podcast. All right. There are a number of great games this weekend, and it's going to be an incredible slate. Maybe not quite as high-powered of a slate as last weekend, but this slate starts early. We start with a Friday night ranked matchup, Utah at Oregon State. And this game, there's a lot uh, to be desired in this game. I think it's going to be an exciting matchup. What do you see with Utah and Oregon State, Connor? Well, I think a lot of this is going to hinge on Cam Rising and if he's going to play or not, right? We need a good quarterback for Utah if we're going to see them actually pull this off. I know they're higher ranked. There might be a better team all around, but without your star quarterback who kind of uh, completes the team, Oregon State has a shot here, man. I, 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 I lean towards Utah winning. A lot of that is hinging on Cam you know, coming out there and playing, but I think they're going to win. I think ultimately – Whoever wins, this is going to be a win for the audience. We're all just going to have fun watching this little Pac-12 shootout on a Friday night. You can't complain about that. It's going to be great, man. I think Oregon State, what's interesting is they're actually favored in the game despite being ranked nine spots behind Utah. And part of that is the questioning of whether or not Cam Rising is going to play. That has been a question every game Utah has played so far. And here's what we found. Utah doesn't have a lot of ways to score points without Cam Rising on the field. They might be 4-0, but they only scored 14 against UCLA last week. They narrowly escaped uh, Waco against Baylor a couple weeks ago and and only got in the end zone uh, one time. And even that opening game against Florida, they they started out hot, but for three quarters of that game, they couldn't score. And so I think Oregon State is a better offense, especially if Utah doesn't have Cam Rising. Oregon State is wounded. They're coming back off a tough road loss against Washington State, and now they're coming back home to a crowd that's going to be excited for conference play. I think Oregon State is going to find a way to win this game. Friday nights are weird, though. You never know what's going to happen on a Friday night. So That's what Mom always said, right, too? Friday nights could just be crazy, and that's what's going to happen in the stadium. Like You never know what could happen on a West Coast Friday night game. The lights are going to be on, and this, this game's just going to be like I said, it's going to be fun. Oregon State has a shot here. You're right. They are wounded. The game last week turned into a shootout a little bit at the end against Washington State, uh, you know, next-door rival. They're also – I tell you what, I think they have a little something extra to play for. I don't know if you saw this week, but the uh, president of Oregon State said that because of the Pac-12 breakup, they are expecting a 44% loss in revenue by 2025. So they need to figure that out from an administrative side, getting into a conference and making that dollar uh, amount up. But that tells me that these players are going to be out there playing to prove something, that they belong in a conference, that they belonged in the Pac-12 in the first place, and that they are going to try and own this Pac-12 that still remains. Yeah, they've definitely got a chip on their shoulder. I think Washington State does too. 
Uh, I think it would be incredible to see those two meet again in the conference championship game. I think it's unlikely with the gauntlet that is the Pac-12 this season. Another Pac-12 game. This is big noon kickoff on Saturday. Uh, number eight, USC, is coming in to Boulder to play at Colorado, who fell out of the rankings after a disastrous performance in Eugene, Oregon last week. But USC, I mean, they've left some to be desired so far this year themselves. What are you thinking about this game? Man, well, you know, as Dan Lanning would say, we're just fighting for clicks. And uh, we are on this podcast, but they're fighting for wins. Um, Does that mean, you know, Oregon was fighting for wins. I think USC is fighting for wins. Colorado, maybe they really are, you know, kind of focused on just the popularity that they've gained and the uh, celebrity of Dion and their focus may be just off right now. Or maybe that was just last week and they come in here and they are, you know, the team that we saw those first two weeks and they come in and they're like, we are not to be messed with. That being said, I don't think that's fully going to happen. They will be back at home, which will be an advantage for them. But I think USC is going to steamroll them from a D, uh, from an offensive standpoint. Caleb Williams is going to just run right through that weak defense. On the pro side for Colorado, USC defense does not look great either. So this is going to be an offensive shootout for sure, um, which should be more fun because the Oregon defense never even let off the gas against uh, Colorado last week. So, yeah, this will be another good game. I personally believe USC is going to steamroll right past Colorado, kind of like Oregon did last week. But it could be a little more interesting and more fun as they do that. I'm going to take USC as well in this game. But I don't think we're going to see 42-6 to like we saw last week. I would lean this one maybe more in the the 50-38 to category. I, I don't know. I think Colorado is going to have an offensive jolt like they did in the first three games of the season. And it's going to be helped by a USC defense that certainly has a number of holes. USC has been really good at getting to the quarterback. That's been a problem for Colorado all season. So uh, that may persist this week. But despite USC being good at getting to the quarterback, they've given up 28 points to San Jose State and to an abysmal Arizona State team. USC, they had Arizona State on their backs for most of the game last week. And finally, at the end, they were able to shake them. But USC-Arizona State, uh, that that was a game that should have never been close. And the same was true with San Jose State. And the same, ultimately, based on all of the metrics, should be true of this Colorado game. I'm not convinced it won't be close. But I'm also not convinced Colorado can find a way to win. If they do, uh, that's going to just – that's going to be a major shakeup in the Pac-12 race. And really, it'll be a shakeup in the college football playoff race from the standpoint that USC uh, sees a way in right now, especially if they get a big win over Notre Dame later in the season. I'm going to take USC. I don't think it is going to be by three touchdowns like um, the the odds makers suggest, but it should be a fun game to watch. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders, the two quarterbacks that are just and, on fire. And how about this? We finally get to watch Caleb Williams. Yes. You, it, oh, my gosh. Caleb Williams has played on the Pac-12 network multiple times, which a lot of the American public does not have access to. Right. And then, like last week, I think they played on FS1 or Fox, but they play at 9.30 p.m. Central, which is already late here on the East Coast. It's just everybody's in bed. 
So the fact that they're playing at a watchable time, which I know on the West Coast is 9 a.m., absurd. I don't know how they can't just get into the 2.30 or the, the yeah. 6 p.m. time slots. But Talk anyway. to the NCAA. Um, the networks. I, yeah, it's really the, the networks. networks probably. Talk to Fox. Yeah, Fox wants a big noon kickoff here. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, I get it. This is going to be a high, high viewership uh, game unless Taylor Swift is – at an NFL game at the same time? Not on game, a Saturday. Not on a Saturday. So Saturdays exactly are for the boys. This game is going to be a, a uh, huge viewership. Um, the next game I want to talk about comes on at 2.30 uh, Central on Saturday. That is number one ranked Georgia going to Auburn. Look, if this game is happening last year, we're not even going to think about talking about it. Because there is no question, not only who the winner is, but that the game won't be close. But Georgia, I just don't know who they are yet this year. And they haven't had a real test. You know, they played South Carolina. They played South Carolina at home, by the way. And in that game, they did not dominate it. They they ultimately dominated the second half pretty well. Yep. They did not dominate the whole course of the game. It did not look like a whole picture of, of Georgia. It did not look like a national championship team. So it's fine that they're 4-0. But being 4-0 after playing UAB and Ball State and, and, and coming away with an okay victory against South Carolina, I don't know who Georgia is yet. Um, and I, I also, I'm not completely sure what we'll get out of Auburn. You know, there's a lot of new pieces at Auburn, namely Hugh Freeze is the head coach. This first season as Hugh Free, with Hugh Freeze, I think we're going to see a lot of ups and downs. They had a pretty important victory out on the West Coast against Cal a couple weeks ago. But... Uh, they got beat pretty poorly by Texas A&M last week. So I think this game uh, can go a few different directions. What are you seeing? Well, I definitely know this game means a lot to the to the fans, right? This is a you know next-door state kind of rivalry in a sense. The SEC, that whole, that whole aspect of the game is a big deal. I do think Georgia wins this pretty easily. I mean, Auburn played Texas A&M and lost 27-10. to 10. Uh, last Saturday, that's not a great showing for them. And now they're going to go and play an even better team in Georgia. You're right, Georgia has some things to figure out here. I do think that those first four games, yeah, they had some struggles here and there. They adjusted during that uh, South Carolina game during the halftime, which is exactly what you need out of a championship team, right? When you're something's not working, you take the halftime, you readjust. You come back out, you pull off the win, you make it clear you are the more dominant team in the second half. That is something that's championship caliber. New quarterback. New coaching, new offense. Uh, so many other guys got drafted this year. You, you, you are absolutely. Cra- I mean, isn't their entire defense on the Philadelphia Eagles? Like, you know, like there's a lot to there's a lot they're trying to figure out. Getting some of these newer guys in there, getting reps on the field as starters. This has been okay showing for them, but it's a good thing they're getting those kinks worked out. I think you know this game will probably be their most challenging one yet. If South Carolina wasn't, it's going to be this one. And then this allows them to prepare for the later part of the season when they get to play Florida. And now, unexpectedly, Missouri being potentially a difficult opponent. Uh, and Missouri almost took them down last year, if you they remember did. correctly. So they need to prepare for that game. They got Tennessee. They got Mississippi. They don't have Bama. You know, that's a big uh, skip this year for them. As long as they don't you know, mess up any of these kind of more casual games... They're going to be okay, but they don't have to play LSU. All the big boys. But this is this is you know an advantage that Georgia gets that's almost unfair because they don't have to go through the same wear and tear that some of the other teams do 
and, and they could get be to, to their disadvantage when they get to the playoffs. It could, but at the same time, they could be a lot more fresh than the other teams simply because they didn't have the grueling schedule. True. But, like you mentioned, I don't know what we're going to get out of Missouri or Florida or Tennessee yet. Maybe those are significant games. Well, Missouri's Look, the team to watch right now. They so are. That game on November 4th, um, I think that could be a lot of fun, assuming both these teams keep on the same trajectory they're on. Because Missouri's also undefeated, and they're ranked 23. What makes them any worse than Georgia right now? Yeah, there's no reason to, you know, other than what we saw on the field last year, there's not necessarily a reason uh, to rank them differently. But Auburn, you know, coming off a loss, just like Oregon State, we just talked about a second ago, and actually like Colorado, um, but probably not to the same extent, Auburn is in kind of a wounded warrior mode themselves. And this is a rivalry game. These two teams, even though they're in different divisions, they play each other annually as a kind of a protected rivalry because of the proximity of these schools. And Auburn, um, that that environment at Jordan-Hare is intense. Alabama's learned that a time or two. I don't think Georgia can discount a rivalry game at the rivalry stadium when they haven't even gone on the road yet. They have not left Athens, Athens Georgia the first four weeks of the season. So, Which is crazy as well. There is a, a decent chance, I think, that Auburn – definitely I think Auburn can keep this game close. In fact, I think they will keep the game close. I think there's a chance Auburn wins. I'm not going to pick them to win, largely because the Auburn offense has looked atrocious this year so far. Uh, the last five times they played Power 5 opponents, so this goes back to last year, they have not been able to throw for more than 100 yards in a game. Oh, such a bad stat. That is a horrible stat. But maybe it changes this week. We'll see. Or they just learn how to run the ball uh, very effectively. But let's take a pause, and then we've got a few more games uh, to cover and a few uh, thoughts on who the best teams in the nation are right now. This next game is really interesting. I haven't seen a ton of chatter about this, but... Number 24, Kansas, is going into Austin to play at Texas. And maybe that's why there hasn't been a ton of chatter because Texas is the home team. I think I heard that of the the teams that are playing in like the top 12, all of them are on the road this week except for Texas, which is crazy. So Texas gets to kind of be a safe, uh, have their safety net uh, of the home crowd. But Kansas has looked really good so far this year. They had an important out-of-conference victory against Illinois. And then last week, they beat BYU pretty convincingly after BYU came off a big victory at Arkansas. Now, both of those games were home games for Kansas, so this is their first real road test. What are you thinking about Kansas-Texas? Yeah, this is going to be another just unique game. Uh, will be a fun environment in Austin. I think it would be ultra you know, just kind of comical if they were the one home team that you just mentioned and lost at home. Uh, and if there's a team, I, I've been saying, if there's a team that's going to take Texas down that just seems unpredictable, kind of out of nowhere, I think it would be Kansas. They tend to lose to teams like this, you know, going up and losing to Kansas State a couple of years ago. Kansas, uh, you know, they look pretty good. I don't think they've got the wherewithal to take down you know, the superpower team of Texas. Texas is, in my opinion, they've finally built the team they've been trying to do and build for years under Charlie Strong um, and, and oh, I can't remember the name of the other head. Uh, Tom, Tom Herman. Yes, thank you. Tom Herman. Um, Sarkeesian's built a good team here. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a great leader. He's, you know, I, it seems like he's more focused on what 
he needs to be doing on the field uh, in terms of leading his team, in terms of his play performance. Uh, you can tell he's just kind of become a more serious guy. He's maturing. He's he's stepping up to the plate of, the, you know, these are huge shoes he has to be in. You're talking about the Texas program of football. This is the most affluent football, college football program in the country. And he has got the weight of all of that on his shoulders. And so does the rest of the team. But, you know, you, just, you, you look at the star quarterback that was recruited so heavily and everybody knows this name. And everyone knows who's standing right behind him if something messes up, right? <laughs> There's nothing like having a Manning looking over your shoulder. That's got to just be somewhat pressurizing, right? So, you know, Texas, I think they've got all of these pieces and they're, they've finally put them together. This, Parker, I'm going to say this right now. This is their year to go on the championship run. If they're going to have a year to do it, this is it. It's 2023. If they want to be a champion team again, this is the year. I don't know how long this is going to last. Maybe they look good again over the next few years. And when Arch uh, Manning comes in and they can continue with some successes here. But they just seem like a very complete team. Um, I, I think they're going to, you know, kind of stomp on Kansas that's what I think. I, I can't say I would be surprised if Kansas somehow pulls off some crazy way to win this game. But Texas wins, in my opinion, and they win handily, and they just keep on marching towards that college football playoff. I would tend to agree with you about the window that Texas is in, except that we have a 12-team playoff next year. So Texas next year, they'll be in the SEC, which means they probably will have a couple tougher games on their schedule, although they did play Alabama out of conference this year. But they can withstand a couple losses and still make the playoff next year. So even if they are the same caliber team that they are right now, they the couple losses they might have to endure isn't going to put them off a championship track necessarily. That being said, Texas has lost to Kansas when Kansas has been a lot worse than they are right now. Kansas has a lot of veterans on this team. They've got players that have been there for two or three even four years that are starters that that know uh, the conference that have played in Austin before, and they've got an incredible starting quarterback with Jalen Daniels. True. I like Kansas a lot. He's a playmaker, um, and Kansas had a, has had an issue with the deep ball. The good news for them is Quinn Ewers is not necessarily a top deep ball quarterback, but obviously. Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell. There are some great um, deep ball receivers on that Texas offense. The The problem for Texas is that Kansas can come around and sling it too, and they can make plays on, on offense. Look, Texas is a bigger team. It is a higher recruited team. It is in Austin. Texas should win this game. But the team, the best team and the team that should win doesn't always win. Very true. This is my one. If I'm if I'm taking an off the wall pick this week, it's this one. I'm, I didn't pick Auburn over Georgia. I'm not picking Colorado over USC, and and the Oregon State Utah game to me is kind of a toss up. I'm going to take Kansas at Texas. This does not mean Texas can't make the college football playoff. It doesn't mean they can't go to the Big Twelve championship game. They still have a whole season ahead of them, but Kansas is experienced, and I don't think they will be more prepared for any game this season than to go into Austin. They're going to be so prepared for this game, and Texas is already looking ahead to Oklahoma. You're probably right there. 
Um, and you know what? It's in a similar fashion. Dallas Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals this past Sunday. Heartbreaking. Everyone would have said the Dallas Cowboys should have steamrolled over the Cardinals, but the Cardinals came in with a good game plan and took the Cowboys down with their dominant defense. If Kansas can take a similar approach, come in with a great game plan and a solid strategy and put the pieces together, they can do this. Kansas is very well coached. Lance Leipold has been an incredible coach uh, for them so far, and they are investing in that football program. I'm excited to see, even if they lose this game, I'm excited to see Kansas football for the years to come. Okay, this is another ranked versus ranked matchup, and it is the LSU Tigers in Starkville, Mississippi against uh, or sorry, in Oxford, Oxford. Mississippi. Yep. We Miss. just lost a couple listeners. Uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, against uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. This is an awkward 5 p.m. Central game on ESPN. So, I don't do mind th- the weird time because you know what? That means it's going to be ending before some of the other games. You can watch strange. the end of this game and then move into the end of the next few games. That'll be fun. Um, I personally have Ole Miss. Or sorry, nope, that's not true. I have LSU winning this game. Uh, LSU is looking a little rough around the edges. Ole Miss is too, to an extent. So I, I re- kind of almost reluctantly picked LSU here because I felt like I maybe needed to choose a, a lower-ranked team at some point this week, and I just haven't done that so far. But LSU, I do think they win. I, although Ole Miss Stadium, you know, they're in Oxford. That could be – that's going to be a huge advantage for them. LSU has to walk in to Ole Miss and win – Brian Kelly's not really the superstar head coach so far that I think people are expecting down in Baton Rouge. So I, I don't have a ton to say about this game other than I'm going to watch it, and I think LSU will win, and Ole Miss might pull off a win here. I, would, I don't really know, to be honest. I won't be surprised if either one of these teams wins. I do think it's going to be pretty close. The line's only two and a half, so... The theme of college football this year is quarterbacks whose first name starts with a J and their last name is Daniels. There <laughs> is uh, Jalen Daniels at Kansas, uh, Jaden Daniels at LSU, and JT Daniels, who I know is at Rice, but he's played everywhere else under the sun before this year. <laughs> so Jaden Daniels at LSU has been an impressive quarterback in his tenure there. But LSU as a team has been an absolute roller coaster. They got manhandled by Florida State in week one at a neutral site. And then uh, they marched into Starkville, Starkville, Mississippi, and they beat up uh, Mississippi State really bad. Then they came back home and toyed with Arkansas for four full quarters before barely pulling away with a victory. I have no idea what LSU is going to show up against Ole Miss this week. Here's what I know about Ole Miss. Ole Miss has to score points, and I think they will. They lost 24-10 to to Alabama last week. The offense could not get going. This LSU defense is nothing compared to the Alabama defense. Alabama, look, Alabama has had a serious offensive problem to start the year. But the Alabama defense is still uh, one of the top defenses in the country. They just got a quarterback problem. They have a quarterback problem. But Milrow might be coming around. We're not talking about Alabama today. But Ole Miss, I think is going to hold the line at home. Same thing we've been talking about all podcasts, wounded warrior mode. They are coming off a road loss coming back home, and I think they'll take care of business against LSU. This game, uh, LSU is just barely favored, not even a field goal. It's a, it's really a toss-up uh, despite the rankings. So the final game, this is the college game day game this week, 6.30 on ABC, 
Number 11, Notre Dame coming off a heartbreaking loss against Ohio State. Mm. They are coming into Durham, North Carolina to face the Duke Blue Devils. I think both of these teams have something to prove. What do you think? Yeah, they definitely do. That loss, man, Ohio State pushing into the end zone, one second left from like the two-yard line. Kind of, a, a, in a weird way, it was a climactic and an anticlimactic end. Oh. It was definitely anticlimactic for the Notre Dame fans in the crowd there in um, the stadium, the Notre the, Dame stadium. The 11th man, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah, the 10 men on the field, what a disaster. Marcus Freeman's got to clean that up. His defensive coordinator needs to clean that up. You cannot have 10 men on the field in such an important moment. I can't even believe that happened. Um, but you know what? They... Uh, they still looked pretty good against Ohio State. That was as even of a matchup as you could get. I actually between two powerhouse teams. Yeah. I don't think Notre Dame should even be ranked eleven. I think they're probably still a top eight team. I think they were better. I think they were a better team than Ohio State. They were. They were more put together. They just kind of faltered, uh, and then you know there at the end when they had that final drive and the uh, intentional grounding call, everything just kind of fell apart in the last three or four minutes of the game for them giving Ohio State the chance, and Ohio State pulled together that two-minute you know, drill drive, got the touchdown out of it, won the game with literally a second left. So that's called discipline. Ohio State's a little more disciplined than Notre Dame, and that's, you know, it kind of makes sense. Marcus Freeman's trying to put this team together. He's, he's taking what Brian Kelly left him and turning it into something great, I believe. But Duke doesn't look bad either. You know, Duke's not this powerhouse team, but they're – they're pretty. They're pretty good. They're trying to show they're not just a basketball school. Um, I think this will be a fun game. I do think Notre Dame wins. I think Notre Dame has to win uh, for the sake of the program, for the sake of the fans, for the sake of Marcus Freeman and Sam Hartman. He's not bad, dude. Like Sam Hartman can play. That dude can ball out. Yeah, Mike Elko at Duke is an incredible coach, and he. Uh, was essentially coach of the year. He may have actually won that award last year. I don't remember. Sonny Dykes probably did. But Mike Elko was right in the mix. Yeah, he's up there. And uh, kind of turning around that Duke p- p- football program. Here's the thing for Duke. This is an opportunity for them to prove that they are a legitimate ACC contender. Um, but my question is whether or not the Duke football team – I mean, I, I, I feel like there's a potential that they are satisfied with beating up Clemson as bad as they did. And, and the, in that satisfaction, they are not concerned with um, whether or not they're going to beat Notre Dame. Obviously, they want to win the game, so I, I don't mean that. But I don't think they'll come out with the same passion and desire they did as, as they did against Clemson. And ultimately, you know, as well as Clemson played in that game, I mean, sorry, as well as Duke played in that game against Clemson, Clemson played terribly. And so it wasn't ent- entirely Duke's success. A lot of it was Clemson's failures. True. Notre Dame, I have to believe they'll be more disciplined. They're going to come out uh, looking cleaner than they did last week against Ohio State. They cannot afford, like you said, they cannot afford to lose this game. I think Notre Dame wins. I think it's kind of a statement game for them. I want to cheer for Duke. I, I think it's a great story. And I think Duke's going to have some opportunities for redemption and, and surprises throughout the season. I think they're uh, one of the better teams in the ACC for sure. Uh, but Notre Dame, they are desperate. I think Notre Dame is going to walk away with a victory. I agree. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's move on to who are the top five teams in the country going into week five. For me, my number five team in the country right now is Michigan. I think 
uh, Michigan, they have not had a real test this season. I know they played Rutgers last week, but it was Rutgers, right? And so they're going on the road to play Nebraska this week. I think that will be an exciting game. Um, I think they'll win uh, because I do think they're the number five team in the country, but I don't think they're one or two as many have, have slated them to be. Who's your number five? I have Ohio State coming off that win against Notre Dame. I actually do think that they're a pretty solid team. They need to shore up some of their sloppiness that they had last week. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be a top-five team right now. I left Ohio State out of the top five. In fact, I don't think they're uh, – I think they're the third-best team in, in the Big Ten. We'll get to that in a minute. Actually, you do too. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually but the agree top with that the, statement. The top of the Big Ten is just very much stacked. Yes. Um, not, uh, not to the Big Ten yet for me. Number four is uh, Georgia. And this may sound some alarms, but Georgia, I, I genuinely believe – I cannot – rank Georgia based on what they did last season. And I just haven't seen it this season. I don't know who they are yet. There is still a little bit of bias from last season that is seeding this pick because if I rank them purely off what I've seen on the field so far this season, they're probably in the teens. I, I think Georgia will recover to an extent. And so um, I still put Georgia at four right now, but they have, uh, they've got to prove themselves. And the hard thing for Georgia, for me, is that they don't have a ton of games where they're going to be able to prove themselves. Because, like we mentioned, their schedule is not extenuating. So I'm going to keep Georgia at four for now. I still think they're probably better than Michigan. I still think they're the best team in the SEC. But uh, I don't know quite who they are yet. What a weird time when, you know, the best team in the SEC is ranked number four in your mind. When would you have said that in the last, like, ten years? Well, so- even in the AP poll, there's only one. they're the only one in the top ten. It's just crazy. The, the powers are shifting in college football. Yeah. Anyways, I, I actually have uh, my number four is Michigan. Um, for a lot of what you just said a minute ago, Michigan looks pretty solid. Jim Harbaugh is, you know, he's got his team rolling, dude. It's They're fun to watch. Uh, definitely, definitely can't wait for the Michigan-Ohio State game this year. We're finally going to have just two really – I guess last year we had two powerhouse teams, but this year it just feels like it's going to be a blast. Well, it'll be a great rivalry game. I think each of them playing Penn State before then might also – be a massive factor. We yes. get to Penn State in second, but for me, number three, I agree with the AP poll. Texas is number three. Uh, they have wavered at, in very short and brief moments this season uh, for a quarter or two at a time, but not for the extent of a whole game. They have looked fantastic overall. Obviously, the Alabama win was impressive, um, but even routing a, a conference rival like Baylor on the road this past week, as bad as Baylor has been, it still takes some level of effort to go to Waco and win that game the way they did. My number three is going to be Penn State um, for, you know, this this Big Ten just powerhouse that's going on. They're, they're in there. They're at the top of it, in my opinion. I think that they are going to remain strong. I don't think we're going to know fully how big and how strong they are until that Ohio State game, and that's going to be one of the best games of the season, October 21st. So when they play Ohio State, we'll get to see really the true colors of both those teams. Uh, Penn State hasn't had that game yet like Ohio State had last week with Notre Dame, so I'm a little weary about it in that sense. But, man, they they stomped West Virginia, they stomped Illinois, and they stomped Iowa last week. Uh, 31-0, shut them out. So they look pretty solid. This is significant for me. I have Penn State at number two. So a lot of the same things you just said. It's significant for me. 
um, that Penn State has actually had multiple challenges on their schedule this year. None of them serious roadblocks the way Notre Dame was to Ohio State. But mind you, I don't think Ohio State was the best team on that field. They won the game, and I give them credit for it. But Ohio State's performance did not warrant them being in my top five. Penn State, the level of dominance they've shown against three decent uh, decent to above average opponents so far this season has been more than impressive to me. I, I mean, not even giving up points to Iowa. And taking Iowa, who is the number going into the week, was the number one defense in the country, and scoring 31 on them. Yeah, that's got to mean something. So Penn State, to me, is number two. There's only one team, I think, that's looked better than them so far this season. Who's your number two? My number two is Texas. Uh, as I said earlier in this podcast, uh, Texas just looks complete to me, and this is their championship year if they're going to have one. So right now, yeah, they're number two in my mind. We'll see if they stay that way. Hopefully they do. If you're a Texas fan, you're hoping that they do. You actually probably maybe believe they're the number one team in the nation. I'm here to tell you that's not the case yet, but they are looking great. My number one team you don't even have in your top five. Um, I think you haven't been watching their games. I, this is, this is slightly guilty here. I have the Washington Huskies at number one. I think Washington has been the most consistent team so far this season. They have looked incredible. Michael Penix Jr., I, I think right now he's got to be the front runner for the Heisman, and they have not let off the gas on offense at all. Their defense, the only thing I can say uh, poorly about this team is that they gave up 32 to Cal last week. Didn't matter. They scored 59. The The defense overall for Washington has been very successful, and I don't know who can stop this offense. That's, that's what it comes down to. You, you talk about USC. USC, in a normal week against a normal team, is probably going to score as many points as Washington. But Washington is going to be better defensively than USC. USC, if Washington's going to run straight through that USC defense, I'm convinced that Washington is the best team in the Pac-12. And so far this season, I think they're the best team in the nation. I don't know that they'll finish that way. They have a tough schedule. They genuinely have a tough schedule. Much tougher than Georgia, by the way. Much tougher week to week than Michigan. Michigan's got two tougher games. But I think Washington is incredible. I'm very excited to see where they go this season. Uh, it makes me sad that this is the last year of the Pac-12. Yes. Uh, you, you're not wrong about Washington. They do look solid. I don't think they're going to be able to keep it up. But we'll see. Maybe they maybe they make it back to the playoffs. They are the one Pac-12 team that's made it. To Oregon the- made it in the very first oh, year. that's right. Washington that's right. is the last the team. The last Pac-12 team to make it to the playoffs. That's correct. Yes. Um, nope, my number one, I, I got to agree with, you know, all the coaches and all the polls. It's <laughs> it, it's still Georgia in my mind. Do they have some things to prove still? Yes. Are we early in the season? Yes. Like I said a minute ago, I do think that they are, you know, adjusting well. They're figuring out their, their little, you know, nuts and bolts that they need to get screwed in correctly. They are, you know, Kirby Smart. It's just a great coach. But so is Nick Saban. So is so many other coaches, Davos, Winnie, and whatnot, and teams struggle. This team is, you know, just minutely struggling. I think it's too much to not say that they are probably still the best team in the nation. Now, that being said, these other teams are really encroaching on them. And maybe even after this weekend, I changed my decisions here, my rankings here, and say Georgia's not number one anymore. We'll just see. But... I, I can definitely picture them in the college football playoff working their way towards the national championship again. 
They're still a solid team. They have great receivers. They have, um, you know, solid defense. They're just, they're hard to get past. And these teams that they're playing, they don't have a super hard schedule like you were saying a minute ago. It's going to come down to that SEC uh, championship game, see who they play there. And if they get a real tough opponent, then maybe we see it crack. But right now, no, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be just fine. I can't believe Stetson Bennett's not still there playing. <laughs> but you know, uh, they're adjusting with the quarterback in a situation and all of that too. So, yeah. I, either way, your top five, my top five. Here's what we can both agree on: they're probably all top ten teams. Yes. And in a way, just seeing them, some of them are gonna get to play each other: the Penn State versus Michigan and uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Ohio State, Penn State. Those Big Ten games are gonna be a blast. Some of the upcoming Big Twelve games. We've got just some fun, fun football ahead, even on the West Coast at, you know, midnight. <laughs> I'm excited to see uh, which things we've said in this podcast that next week we're going to have to admit we were wrong on. What an end, what we were right on. So. All right. Well, with that in mind, uh, we'll be back next week, and we might have some confessions and admissions. Yep. Just remember that we are here for the clicks, not, <laughs> not for the wins. <laughs>